Chats. I'm your host Samuel Davies. In this episode, we speak to Alana Jackman about the current situation that we have with COVID-19. We talk about how charities can adapt to the changing landscape. It's changing daily at the moment. This is recorded in mid-March 2020, and uh, and what charities can do to survive and even to thrive in this very very difficult landscape, where uh, suddenly everybody. Is, uh, is struggling <clears throat> with things that we always took for granted, including uh, going to the supermarkets, going out, seeing people, seeing friends. Obviously, there have been huge impacts for charities' events, for shop sales, charity shops, and a whole plethora of other things. So it's a very important topic. This is one of um, a number of shows we're going to be doing over the next few weeks. We're going to try and move to weekly podcast episode during this uh, during this period to give you the listener hopefully lots of charities as well who I know um, have lots of listeners from um, some tools and help to uh, tackle the current situation so anyway uh, here's the first one this is Alana Jackman speaking with me about COVID-19 and what charities can do here we go in a very unusual time, don't we, with the uh, coronavirus. and yeah, Unprecedented. Uh, un- absolutely unprecedented. And we're, we're speaking to each other from um, other parts of the country, other parts of the world, in fact, today. And uh, the question we're asking, well, I suppose the question I'm asking you, really, is given all of your expertise and knowledge um, working with multiple charities as a, uh, as a consultant, um, should charities now just be going into hibernation for the next three months or so and and just bellowing down the hatches and, and, you know, coming back in a few months' time, or or can they keep going? I mean, they can't go into hibernation. Um, That's not really, that's just not possible. Charities have two things that prevent that. One is the fixed existing costs Mm -hmm. um, of staff and their responsibilities to their staff teams and those who um, rely on them for income. And then their beneficiaries, those who rely on them for their services, um, who, you know, many are vulnerable mm. um, and need more or different support at this time. Um, and charities are uniquely placed to, you know, create some of the kindness and some of the resources, practical and emotional, that um, that everyone's going to need over the next few weeks and months. Absolutely. So no, no hibernating. Right. No, no hibernation. So I suppose that'll be a relief for, for fundraisers like myself who are probably questioning currently, you know, what on earth can I do if I'm a challenge event fundraiser, if I'm a trust mm-hmm. fundraiser? Every type yeah. of, every form of fundraising is going to be affected. But is it about thinking differently? I think that, you know, so I've been speaking to quite a number of the people who I regularly work with. Um, now, it's obvious that we are not going to be having face-to-face meetings. We're not going to be having the fundraising events. And those are the critical ways that we do so much of our fundraising. Um, obviously, trust and foundation um, is slightly more um, robust mm-hmm. uh, because that's an application process. But all those organisations are going to be hit by this in in staffing terms and just, you know, 
this is very distracting, this is very concerning, the investments that trusts and foundations make in order to then make their gifts are going to be hugely affected, you know, yeah. the, um, you know the value of, of um, shares and etc. that all our wealthy donors depend on are going to go down. So people are going to be feeling very concerned about their health and very concerned about their finances, mm. their companies, you know, everything that they rely on for the income that they donate is feeling at risk. There are three things that I'm talking to my contacts about doing. Stewarding. So we don't always have the chance to make our best efforts with stewarding gifts and telling people the impact it's made and how it's been spent. Right. Now you have the opportunity to go back and really look at that in great detail and give them something to celebrate about what's been achieved up until mm. now mm-hmm. um, and, uh, and show you know, the impact of what they've done. Then there is two things which go together, which is filling gaps and nurturing. Mm -hmm. So we will need to fill gaps. You know, if you have um, an army of volunteers who usually do all sorts of face-to-face stuff or organising of events or or whatever it is that your your volunteers do, and now you cannot have them going and doing all that stuff, Mm -hmm. what can you have them doing? What can you mobilise them to make possible? Can they be doing Skype calls with vulnerable, isolated people? Can they be um, dropping food packages at people's front doors? Mm. Um, you know, can they be adding food to the, you know, few and far between um, delivery slots that they're able to get from, that we're able to get from the supermarkets? Mm. Um, you know, so depending what your charity does and, and which people it serves, you know, that's kind of um, more on the kind of vulnerable people sort of charities. Um, but those filling those gaps and using your resources to meet needs then enables you to nurture new relationships. So if you had 50 people who were planning to approach this year for face-to-face um, meetings, major donors, or um, you know 100 people who were planning to run or cycle or whatever, swim in one of your upcoming events, um, then you know. If you're not training for the marathon anymore, what might you do with those 20 hours a week um, that you were going to be training for the marathon? So you can nurture the relationships with these people. And so if if I take sort of 50 major donors who you're planning to approach, what about asking them to join in the fill in the gaps activities that you're doing, Mm. the emergency response stuff that you're putting in place in order to meet the needs of your beneficiaries at the moment. Because um, there'll, there'll be a lot of people currently who are, you know, if they're working in certain industries or if they're retirees, then uh, then they'll they'll have a lot of time with their hands, presumably, if they're isolating. Absolutely. I mean, time is something that we are going to have a lot of. Mm. Um, we are going to be worried about sharing our resources, in, you know, money and food items and mm. toilet paper. Um yeah. But our time is, you know, you know, I'm Skyping and Zooming with friends and colleagues. Um, there are different ways of doing things. Uh, one of my friends is isolating, so seven of us all got on a Zoom chat to keep her company. You oh, can yeah. do that for elderly people in your neighbourhood. You can do that for, um, you know, you can you can do that for lots of people. Mm. So, um, 
so that is about nurturing relationships because later this year when all this is behind us mm-hmm. um you want to have taken your relationships further to have warmed them up to a a substantial degree so that you can go in and say thank you for you know being one of our virtual home visitors that was amazing and it had a huge impact and you know now we're able to put back in place our you know our face-to-face home visiting would you like to be part of this and would you like to fund it it's always about encounters with the charity how can you enable people to encounter what you're doing and actually this remote and virtual stuff is far easier for people to encounter they've got the time and they've got the internet connection so um so nurturing is is for me the, the big thing you can be doing right now I suppose in some ways we're quite fortunate that if it had to happen, it's happened now and not 20 years ago when we wouldn't have had things like uh, Zoom and Skype and, you know, there's Google Hangouts yeah. and all sorts of different platforms for communicating virtually, isn't there? Yeah, I mean, you know, this is, I think, going to change um, in really substantial ways mm. um, the way that we do stuff. You know, we're talking about having remote meetings with donors where we would always say, can I meet you for coffee? Yeah. Um, you know, if I can give you a virtual tour or if I can uh, introduce you to students benefiting from your scholarship who are now learning remotely mm. um, because they can't go to campus, you know, there's all sorts of interesting um, new ideas out there, uh, new ways of using the existing technology. I mean, at the school gate, it's been really interesting because there are a lot more dads. Right. Um, you know, we don't live in an egalitarian society yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but with everyone working from home, uh, it's, you know, you're seeing a creeping egalitarianism, um, which is very interesting. And what about the, um, so kind of, it sounds like there are great opportunities for charities to continue to um, engage and engage on a much deeper level with their supporters and potentially uh, new supporters too what about yeah. when it comes closer to home with how do you how is it a small charity or a medium charity or a large charity how should they be taking this uh, approach with managing their staff and supporting their staff um, I mean remote working is something that some people do anyway but it's, it strikes me that we've got a kind of a, a scenario now where people are going to be um, themselves feeling quite anxious and and been quite isolated. Yes. So technology definitely is a solution. So all the people I coach, um, I have been on the phone with them. And instead of having a weekly meeting or bi-weekly meeting, I'm speaking to them for 20 minutes, half an hour every day. Right. Um, to help them to just keep momentum, keep, you know, all the questions you might have asked again across the office answer some of those mm. um, and just to keep up their um, yeah their momentum basically definitely technology offers lots of answers to that and then you know anyone who's ever run a community fundraising team you know based all around the country remotely and mm. um, going off and organizing their coffee mornings in their um, in their area um, will tell you its target so you set the target for um, how many applications or communications or 
meetings or gifts you want people to be getting in mm. within reason because things are very different and the people who we're speaking to are feeling hugely uncertain and hugely poor. Mm. Um, everyone will be feeling poorer or worried about finances. Yeah. And wealthy people far more so because, you know, people who draw a wage mm. have the security that their wage will continue. It's the people who own those businesses who are exposed to the greatest risk. And those are the people who approach the money, right? Right, okay. So regular giving, you know, is done by phone, is done remotely, um, by email, etc. Um, and people's wages aren't changing and actually they're going out less. So some people will have more money mm. at, at the moment. So, you know, the less well-off will probably have more and the more well-off will feel very vulnerable. Yeah. I, I suppose that... If your yeah. business goes bankrupt, that, you know, that is... Well, that's on, that's on them, isn't it, to an extent. I suppose that there will be yeah. exceptions where I know that um, anecdotally I was talking to um, a couple of people in a, in a coffee shop a few days ago, and they were concerned because obviously they were staff, I think they were on uh, minimum wage, and uh, they were concerned because there was no one in the coffee shop. Well, things have changed since then. And, I mean, we're talking yeah. now, it's the uh, the 18th of March. I suppose when people listen to this, it will have changed even more. But as it stands, I know that um, all these restaurants and coffee shops have closed. So uh, certainly yeah. in the UK and where we are in Poland. So um, that must be, I suppose, across the board, as you say, it's kind of the uh, wealthy people who are being approached for major gifts. But, but across the board, there will be an impact on security, won't there? So yeah so those yeah. who are i guess it's the the employed mm. um and the unemployed mm. probably I, you know i don't know how much will change for them but those with insecure working self um employed and business owners are, are the ones that you need to be really really sensitive to them. So is, um, is there a kind of responsibility to be giving them good news as well about the impact of, of the work that they've been funding and supporting if, if they are existing supporters as well as saying we, yeah, need, we so do I, need your support? Yeah, I started, with, I started with stewardship and I think stewardship yeah. is critical. Yeah. Um, and uh, good news in terms of giving people something that they can do. Mm. Um, so we want to feel that we're putting good out there in the world that we're easing this situation for people. Mm, mm. Um, so, yes, uh, there's lots of opportunities that lots of charities can give. And, you know, so I was talking about kind of charities for the vulnerable and the most disadvantaged. Yeah. There's also all the art charities. Yeah. Um, one art charity that I um, subscribe to mm. um, has come up with a brilliant plan that they are... Um, streaming everything that they've ever, their library, their archive of everything they've ever recorded from their lecture series and plays and nice. um, shows and films and, you know, all their content yeah. they have amassed. They're going to screen that and then they're going to develop new content as well. So they're taking it, they're taking it online. They've got their huge building and resource hmm. and, you know, with one person's video filming and one person performing, they can run all sorts of interesting events and people can attend remotely. Um, so there's 
you know, and I know there are some religious services that are carrying on being streamed remotely. Mm -hmm. So, you know, community organisations that kind of bring people together for cultural, religious, um, you know, stuff mm. can can pivot to do that stuff online and to support communities, you know, with practical help uh, and make sure that that content, you know, that makes life, um, that gives quality of life is, is also available. And that is a brilliant place from which to continue asking people for support. If you download one of their films, then then they can say, you know, this would usually cost you X pounds. Yeah. Would you consider making a donation and gift aiding it so that we can continue doing this work? Mm-hmm. And seeing if you're sat at home and you didn't pay for babysitter or <laughs> you know you didn't you didn't pay for popcorn, you got cheap popcorn that yeah. you made yourself. Um, it's it's not that much of an ask. So right. you know the sort of the leisure side of the charity sector mm-hmm. can also um, you know, if they think carefully about it and provide something that people really value, it's all about value. How much should the, kind of jumping back again, should the uh, kind of mental health of, of um, charity staff and also, I suppose, mental health of charity supporters and, and beneficiaries, how much of that can come down to creating structure i know that in the in the day-to-day currently um, where i work we're talking about how we can introduce a structure to everybody who are now going to be remote working is that is that vitally important or somewhat important or how, how do you think yeah well so i'm a fundraiser not a psychiatrist um i think that certainly when i work from home i set a series of tasks for mm. myself um Interspersed with some with you know tele- teleconferences, yeah. Um, so I would maintain the weekly staff meeting, mm-hmm. um, maintain the one to one, yeah, and make sure that all of that, that you know, reporting and all of the things that you always do um, are kept up. Yeah. And um, communication is. You know, and, and that you're setting expectations of people and that they have someone to speak to. Yeah. But, you know, I don't know, I don't know how people are going to cope, how managers are going to cope with the fact that, you know, I've got two children at home yeah. now. Yeah. Um, I've, and schools are obviously going to close soon. Mm. Um, how people maintain their working, their, their responsibilities to their work um, whilst juggling family. Yeah, yeah, it's very um, tricky. People who get no face-to-face interaction because they live on their own and they're isolated, yeah, um, their motivation is going to be affected. So, you know, everyone's sort of ability to work is going to be significantly affected. Yeah, and I suppose is there a is there a kind of a formulae or is there a, a suggested uh, process for uh, kind of charity leaders to measure expectations with their boards around this as well? There's no model that mm. you can work from. Right. This is, you know, everyone's using the word unprecedented, but it, it is unprecedented. Yeah. This is a shutdown. This mm. is this has never happened before. Mm. We've had disasters and emergencies, but they affect a small number of people mm. um, and everyone else carries on as normal. I've never 
and you know we've never known a situation where things are not carrying on as normal where it isn't you know come on everybody you might be scared to do certain things but we need to keep doing them and and i suppose giving giving trustees or boards a um a day by day or, or kind of a more you know, maybe is, it, is it about increasing the number of touch points with the board so that they are assured that you know all is being done or, or should they be brought in to be more involved in the day-to-day the operations of it or does it depend on the charity yeah I mean it, it does depend on the charity but again you've got a bunch of people who have just had their diaries cleared yeah um if you think of all the people who are hugely hard to reach usually, mm. now's the time to talk yeah. to them, to get them to do certain things, to nurture that relationship, to, you know, the CEOs and directors of fundraising to be getting on the phone to people who they, you know, never get a chance to to talk to. Yeah. Um, and planning for later this year and getting their input about, what what they think should be done and, uh, you know, where they're not entirely focused on keeping their business alive. I think that, I think fundraising will suffer. Yeah. Um, I think charities are going to, I think, sadly, you know, many, many, and probably smaller organisations are really going to suffer you know mm. uh, especially cultural organizations who yeah. rely on ticket sales yeah. and mass gatherings and um, this cannot but hugely affect and it's a very difficult time mm. continuing to have that conversation with people continuing to nurture new and existing relationships to so that people come back with huge support you know later or mm keep you afloat now um you know the one the one positive that charities can that charities have on their side is that there are very few ways for people to make to give charitably to meeting the the challenge of coronavirus yeah so there isn't an apart from food banks mm-hmm. that there isn't an obvious charity that's going to come to the fore now whatever people already care about and already support and want to exist in their community and um, they'll continue to care about it mm. so keep up your relationship and uh, and you know and tell them communicate tell them where you're at you know if you're losing staff members if you're not going to be able to do programming later this year you know tell, tell people where you are um so they can see the, you know, the impact of it and the, and the role they can take to reduce that impact. Alana Jackman, thank you for contributing again to Charity Chat. Yes, sorry to talk to you in such a dark time. A big thank you to Alana Jackman there for contributing again to Charity Chat. It is indeed dark times for... A lot of people in the charity sector too. Um, I hope that you, dear listener, are are safe and well and your families are safe and well. Um, Please do uh, take the advice of Alana, I think. Whatever works for you and and, uh, keep in touch with your supporters, keep in touch with your colleagues, 
it'll help them, it'll help you as well. And uh, we hope to bring further advice and information that you might find useful in our next episode next week. Um, in the meantime, uh, please do get in touch with us. Uh, tell us how your charities are doing, what challenges are you facing, how are you overcoming them. Um, perhaps we can help to share that uh, news to other organisations that might be able to help or learn from you. So please do get in touch with us through the website charitychat.org.uk. You can also find all of our um, social media channels, uh, Twitter, Facebook, uh, LinkedIn. It's just left for me to, uh, to thank you for listening to this episode and please do spread the word if you think it'll be useful for other people that you know. Uh, everyone's feeling quite isolated now and uh, a lot of people are having to stay at their home. As I say, we will bring you another episode next week. Um, it's just left for me to thank our corporate sponsors, Giant Squid Audio Lab, for sponsoring our podcast kit. Magda Axmit for the beautiful website design. Check it out, charitychat.org.uk. RIR Photography for the lovely pro bono images on our website. And, of course, Forest of Fools, who've been playing throughout the show and are playing us out right now. That's my doorbell. I better go. Speak to you soon. Cheerio. Bye-bye.